Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And so today we're going to continue our discussion of 1 Corinthians. We're <clears throat> moving into chapter 4. So uh, I'd like to ask the question to start us all off. Did everyone get a chance to read the chapter and what were some initial... Huh? Chapter 3. I'm sorry, chapter 3. Thank you for the correction. I'm looking at my note here because next week we're doing chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. So that's what threw me off. So You had everyone speed reading. I did. <laughs> that's good. So yeah, next week, pull a lax tricks next to your... Next week we're going to do 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Yeah. This week, we're doing chapter 3. So there you go. And then also, just a reminder that on May 7th, we're having a corporate gathering. We're shooting for Rocky Ridge Park. Nice. So that's going to be a good spot. And uh, we will not be recording that day. Um, and that would be a great opportunity to invite, invite some friends or some coworkers or some people that you know to a corporate gathering event. That would be great. So stay tuned for further information on that. So, okay, back to chapter three now. Did, would anybody like to kick us off, like some initial initial insights before we kind of focus in and hone in on this specific passage that we're going to get into? Anything interesting stand out to you overall? How do you like Paul's attitude, how he's kind of approaching the whole thing very sort of... Uh, He's bold, he's honest, he's transparent, he's not really sugarcoating things, but he's speaking the truth in a loving way. We're going to get into that more and more and more. How about it? So, well, let's read. Let's read this passage. We're going to read uh, verses 5 through 16, and then, and then let's discuss. The title of the passage is The Role of God's Servants. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. So what stands out to you in this passage? The metaphors. The metaphors. What was that? The metaphors. The metaphors? Speak a little more on that. Start at the top, or just work your way down. 
He refers to us as being some of the plants and waters. Okay. And then talk about being a master builder and laying down foundation. Mm-hmm. And then materials of foundation and mm-hmm. building. And then we we are the temple. <laughs> and there's a bat. So the gardeners, builders, material, temple. Yeah? That's good. What do you think they all mean? Well, I think that we are them in some ways. We are supposed to be the... Wait. You want us to circle back around? Yeah. All right. Anybody else want to contribute to that? I get what he's saying, you know, with the metaphors. That we're, we're, we're like gardeners mm. or we're like builders, you know, sowing, planting, building, or restoring. Um, I kind of focused on verse 16. You know, I've been, I've been on a little bit of a health journey the last couple of months. And um, so a lot of times when I read about that we're God's temple, um, God lives in us, and anyone that destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Like, we're supposed to take care of the temples that God has given us. And I'm kind of share with others how to take care, because it's God has given us this temple. And the healthier that we are, the more clear-minded we are, the more he can make us gardeners and builders. How did you, how do you respond to, or, or, or what did you think in that verse, just to add a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper with what you're saying, that where since we are God's temple, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy us or him. How do you how do you read that that makes God out? It doesn't make God sound like. Well, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And, and first, um, like first, it's telling you, listen, you're God's temple, and His Spirit lives in you. Okay. You're very you're very precious to God. Um, but if then, you don't do what he says, he's going to kill you? No. I, I read on 17, like, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. I read that as outside entities, people that are um, people that are abusers. If you're going after one of God's children, yeah. God will deal with you because God's children are very precious to him. Hmm. Um, That's how I read it, too. Cool. Yeah, I just read it as Mark has a comment. But yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. I, I just read it as since we're the temple, right. and we're we can make choices that you know we make the wrong choices based off you know previous knowledge of the Bible or whatever, and it's not with God's will then He can destroy us. That's basically it's, that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. We kind of destroy ourselves. Yeah. The natural consequences of us not taking care of a temple is we kind of destroy ourselves. Well, that wraps into diet. It wraps into, you know, personal habits at work. You know, how much exercise do you allow yourself? You know, just all that kind of stuff all plays into that. It's not also spiritually what you take in. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you read and study and do you try to think about positive things or do you fill your mind full of worldly things with 
the stuff you watch on TV and the, the video games you play and the things like that that yeah. that take up time. So the temple is a very interesting aspect. It's all encompassing. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. When I read that, I I personally for you know anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. You know. I, I view that myself, that the, the destruction does not originate in God, right? The destruction originates in the person or the choices that the individual made to destroy the temple, and God is simply honoring that person's decisions. I still think God will still punish. I really do at some point. You know, it's... it's it, but yes, we do start the destruction with us. Sure. So moving around, I mean, Lola or Sarah or Joe, do you have anything you want to add as we get going here to get started down to these verses? Of course, I'm going to be the rebel. Such a rebel. I still, uh, the, the, the part of this that impacted me the most was actually up in the, was the, was Verse 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. I don't know if I'm ready for it yet. Who is? Huh? Who is? And so so that that verse actually was the most, was the one that unfortunately stuck in my mind the most out of everything. I apologize. No, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's why I asked the question when we first started about when you read the whole chapter because things are, you know, before and after the specific verses we're getting into that adds context and and, yeah, and exactly and so yeah, I think that's great that you brought that out, Joe. Because it's you know it's got to be when you get on the airplane, yeah, seatbelt fasten. So let's read let's read the first several verses here. Um, First uh, Corinthians chapter three. Let's just start at verse one to get a little bit of context to what Paul's getting at. He says, "For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you, you are, are still, still not ready. ready. Because why? Verse three. Because you are still worldly." And he lists a few things here. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? Verse 4. For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, well, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? That confused me that there too. Okay. Yeah, I need some proof. Paul and Apollos. That, that, that kind of threw me off. So Paul, obviously the Apostle Paul, Apollos is another disciple that worked with the early Corinthian church to get it planted, to get it started. And so what you had, what Paul is addressing here is the, the, the congregation, the church in Corinth, they were, they were walking around wearing a badge of, well, I was baptized by Apollos. Okay. Well, I was baptized by Paul. Well, I was baptized by Timothy. It's like saying I'm a Presbyterian, but no, I'm a Baptist. Okay. Exactly. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Well, I'm a gotcha. Catholic. Well, I'm a Baptist. And Paul's saying, you guys are all children and mere humans and you're full of flesh. Because you're walking around thinking that the denomination or the pastor that you're part of makes makes your status higher. Exactly. Where, where did I That's read? I happens. read somewhere, is it in here? Where did I read it? Something about, or it might have been in, 
and KJV thought that we're not sectarians. Right. So that gives a little context then rolling into our discussion about verse 5 when Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? In other words, what is a Baptist? What is an Adventist? You see, I'm a little slow, but see, this helps. This is good. This is why we had the conversation. Mm -hmm. This is great. They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. So he's calling them out. He's saying, look, they're, they're, just, they're just avenues to get you to Jesus. Because ultimately it's not the person who baptized you or the church you're a part of. It's that changes you or heals you or saves you. It's Jesus that does all of that. And I think that's where then he gets into when he talks about um, laying the foundation. When he, Seth, to your point, verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Right? I love that because if you think about it from a medical perspective, when you go to the doctor, is it the nurse that heals you? Is it the surgeon who worked on you? Is it the physical therapist that rehabilitated you? Or is it the nutritionist that helped you change your diet after all of that went down? Which one healed you? Go ahead, Mark. None of that. It's the healing properties the Lord made inside the body when he created it to allow cells to heal themselves. All the doctor did is approximate the tissue. All the nutritionist did is tell them the right things to eat. All the nurse did is make sure that their bottoms were wiped and that everything was clean. That's about all that... There you go. That's the real deal. There you go. Well, that goes back to verse, go back one verse to verse seven. Yeah. That's exactly what that says. Neither, so that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. That's exactly right. Because what is there in, in the medical field? What is the goal? The goal of all those entities is your health and healing, healing. getting you better. That's the goal. And so each one has a part to play along the journey. And, and, and a, a selfish human would say, well, I did that, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But someone who is love-motivated wouldn't seek any recognition. They'd say, no, we just all had a part to play, and, and look, you're, you're better now. Isn't that great? And so that's why Paul is talking to the Corinthians here. I believe, personally, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. Since you're not ready for it, you're still not ready for it because you're still worldly. You're, you're, not, you're, you're focused on, well, look what I did. Well, look what I did. Well, look at what I did. You know, what do you guys think of that? It's interesting. Let's, go ahead. So it's a collective journey. I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out. I I also wanted to. (laughs) That's good. You know that line that says, for since there is envy and strife among you and and are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? It's interesting that he pointed out things that are not really tangible. It's not like you're stealing and, you know, that's noticeable. It's not deed-oriented. Right. It's heart condition. It's heart condition. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. So it was very, I was just like, I was, when I read that initially, I was like, well, that's interesting. It wasn't, you know, but it, it's it's just so much deeper and it's interesting when you read something and then it hits you different i've been finding that a lot lately where i reread things i've read a million times yeah and i'm like wait a second i don't remember that saying that you know and super good yeah super good yeah mark but as hard as paul was on the people at the in these letters he wrote he was just as hard as on himself 
Yeah, he was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wrote a note down, and I think we'll get into it a little bit later on here. Um, but to your point, Lola, before the Damascus Road conversion experience for Paul, he was known as Saul, right? Yeah. But he was walking around killing Christians and yeah. Jews, not for heart condition, but for behaviors. Mm-hmm. They were breaking the rules mm-hmm. or the laws mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It mm-hmm. was all behavior focused. And you find after his conversion experience, he went to what he talks about in Romans, let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. Love, you know, give the truth in love, leaving people free. And and he's saying it's it's not about the deeds, it's about the heart motive. And and you 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 brought that out right here. You know, he's not pointing out to the Corinthians that they're which he will later on in the book, but mm-hmm. he said, you know, the sexual immorality. So they were doing deeds that right. were wrong. Right, right. But early on here, he's saying, the biggest reason why I can't speak to you in a mature way is because you guys' heart condition is all messed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all messed up. He goes, and it's, and, and for me, like I read into that, Paul's almost saying, until your heart condition is right, this other stuff of your behaviors and deeds, like yeah. it's not going to click. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make sense to you. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of that? That's it true. Makes it, it, it makes a lot of sense for sure. I mean, it's if uh, it, it's kind of like I think you have directions to do something and you don't use the directions. You kind of do it your own way and then right. you make a mess of it because right. there were certain steps that had to happen. Right. And then then it's like it's it's like a certain lens. Because you're looking through a different lens yeah. than if if you're just doing it your way or the worldly way, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, interesting. If your heart condition is made right, everything else falls behind. That's right. Yeah. The behaviors fall will follow if your heart condition is right. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Um jump to verse 10 and let's talk a little bit of this about the whole building and Seth we're going to unpack a little bit more about these metaphors and symbolism that's used so verse 10 according to God's grace I've laid a foundation as a skilled master builder if you build on it build on the foundation which is Jesus verse 12 if anyone builds on the foundation with gold silver costly stones wood hay or straw each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. So, a couple questions. Gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. What is he trying to teach? Or, you know, as you said, Seth, these are symbols of something. They're pointing to a reality. It's the value of your foundation. Okay. Whether you have, whether you've built it solid yeah. Which is gold and silver, yeah. precious stones. Those are solid foundations. What is... Or you've just kind of said, oh, you know, five minutes here or there. You know, that's kind of like hay or straw. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have a good foundation. And when the fire comes, the trials of life, you know, they'll yeah. overtake you. So in the Bible, what does gold symbolize in the Bible? Purity. Purity. A perfect character. Yes. Gold in the Bible means a pure character. How about silver? 
pure words or an understanding. And precious stones are also included in those metaphors. Pure character, pure understanding, pure words. How about wood, hay, or straw? In, in the in the Old Testament sanctuary system, the offering, the altar, the altar of burnt offering was acacia wood overlaid in bronze. Okay, the acacia wood in situations like that represented a unconverted sinful human heart. An unconverted heart. Wood and hay or just wood? All those metaphors. The wood, the hay, the straw. Okay. Yeah. And so think about think about what so think, so we're so we're gonna think literal fire right now. How fast does straw or hay burn up? Very fast. Just like that. Wood, depending on the wood, but generally a little bit longer. Anyway, they can be consumed and gone. There's nothing left. He said unconverted heart. Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, think of it this way now. Fire. Is Paul referring to physical fire that burns material? Is he referring to, as the Bible describes, the fiery fire of God's presence in terms of Moses and the burning bush? Or the Shekinah glory that rests upon the Ark of the Covenant, that fire of God's presence? Or is he referring to the Holy Spirit? Luke 3.16, Jesus talks about baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Could be all three. Or in Acts, is he talking about the Holy Spirit descended on the day, I think it was the day of Pentecost? Two, two tongues of fire rested upon the heads? It's truth. It's the flame of truth. It's It's... It's exactly what it is. Truth. So, let's think of it from this perspective. Instead of looking at it as a, as a physical structure that will be burned by physical fire, in terms of you can light a fire and feel its heat, let's, let's approach this from the concept of character and heart motive that Paul was connecting at the beginning of the chapter that Lola brought out. Gold and silver and costly stones that represent a pure character Wood, hay, or straw represents an unconverted heart, selfish, motivated, me-first, fear-driven character. What happens when God's presence, which is fire, or the Holy Spirit, which is represented by fire, comes to a person? Or that person is exposed to the presence of God? What will happen? Will not the elements of fear and selfishness and me first, which are represented by wood, hay, and straw, be burned away. And what will remain? The pure character of God, represented by gold and silver and precious stones. Well, it's the same when you boil down to make a decision. So you have a big decision to make in your life. Mm -hmm. Make it whatever it is in your mind. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start really going through all the false ways or the ways that aren't going to be good about, you know, how to go about getting that accomplished. And so eventually you come out with a good plan that everyone usually benefits. Everyone usually pretty much wins and you boil down to a good, you know, into a good place. And so you don't get that initially. You have to go through the fodder before you realize, oh, this is a substance. This is what I have to save. And so this is what my decision has to be based around. 
So has anyone, um, I think it's in Peter, the Peter's letter, he talks about, uh, brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations for the testing of your patience produces, the testing of your faith or trust, Greek word is the same, the testing of your trust produces patience, produces, you know, in other words, the pure elements of a pure character. So the Bible uses that metaphor that trials and tribulations are like fires also because it just burns within you. You're dealing with something, right? Like from, you know, like I mentioned earlier for myself, like denial structures. And so, and so what Paul is saying here specifically is he's talking to leaders. He's talking to you and me and people who are working with others and bringing them into a knowledge of who God is. And he's saying, be careful of what you're teaching and building in them. Because if it's contrary to what Jesus taught, then you're trying to build this person with wood and straw and hay. And it will be revealed when God's presence comes because if it's not contrary to what Jesus revealed and taught, that's what Paul made that connection about. I built on a foundation that foundation is Jesus Christ. So it's kind of a warning also for us as we're working with each other. That's how I understand that. What did you guys think of that or when you read that part? Did I lose you all with that? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I agree that. I, I was going to say before I got up... Um, that the fire is like a refinement. Yes. It's, you know, it's it's going to burn off all the the bad or the yes. sharp or whatever. Yes. Now that's if that person's foundation was built strong enough. Exactly. Oh, that's right. Yes, and so, so, I mean, Paul makes this point. Specifically, he says it straight up in verse 10. Don't you self know that you are God's temple, right? And then earlier, doesn't he say in verse 9... You are God's field. You are God's building, right? So God, so Paul is pointing to the reality that God is, has been, and is continuing to do the work of cleansing our temples, our buildings, which is you, which is me, which is our minds, our characters. That's what he's working to do. And so as we open our hearts and trust to the Holy Spirit, whose presence is fire, he pours the fires of love and truth into us, which begin to burn away the fear and selfishness in us, which is the wood, hay, and straw. And as this cleansing process takes place, what's, what is it replaced with? Pure gold, pure silver, pure understanding, character of Christ. It's this whole process here. And I just, I personally think it's it's such an amazing metaphor that Paul kind of included in there, that he's trying to, you know, if you if you apply that to what he, you know, what he's trying to work with these people in Corinthians about, you know, like you said, Lola, envy and strife, and you're you're still worldly, you're behaving like humans. He's saying, don't you get it? It's it's about your character, it's about who you are that Jesus is trying to. And if you're not, if you don't understand that reality, then you, you still need milk. You still need milk. Because solid food is for the mature who have developed by practice the ability to discern right from wrong. Hebrews 5.14.
So my my brain my brain is saying when he, he uses that you're acting like mere humans. You know? Yeah. So, you know, my brain goes, Okay, if we if we're allowing God to make the changes in our life that he wants to, cleansing our temples, cleansing our characters, does it lift us up a little bit above the term human? Well, Christ, to you be know. Christian is to be like Jesus. Yeah. So I think that's, it kind of lifts us up. doesn't mean that we're not human. Yeah. Because Jesus was human. But it kind of puts us on a, on a... I mean, he created us as as very special, holy extremely important precious beings to him we were created in the image of god in in his image and if you're acting like a mere human you're kind of like you know you've knocked yourself down a peg instead of staying up in that in that plane that he kind of wants us to be right because think about the holy place the the motivations right yeah and 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 lola you, you touched on it what is the motivation of a mere human selfishness straight up Satan's first sin, selfishness. There you go. Me first, selfishness, fear-driven. I wonder if almost the name human is the name that we became because you know we were mm-hmm. we were made in the image of a God, holy beings, and and human is the name we were given after we fell. Very interesting idea. That's very interesting. I like it. Humanoid. Humanoid. It's going to be everyone's new insult for the week. Which we would never tell that to anybody because, like, if you actually thought that, what would that be revealing about your own condition? Uh Yeah. Exactly. That you're just a mere human. (laughs) When it's Depeche Mode that's saying we're only human. So if we would start really focusing on that idea that we are holy beings, Mm. how would that affect our day-to-day thoughts and actions just to really keep that in our brain as to how we were truly created to be so where do you get the answer to that question the example of christ and how you are you find the answer to exactly who you are and who god says you are that's where you find the answer to that that's really really sucking that into your being to make that a reality in your brain in your heart that's right What? I was going to say, when you look at the genetics between us and pigs, what we can think better than we can. It's probably why we're not supposed to eat them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's so good. (coughs) Yeah, this this has been a great conversation. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, as we leave this place here today and go about our weeks that we should just keep in our minds that the, the conversations that we have with people and not only that but just the, the 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 kind of god that we are demonstrating because if we are god's temple we are god's building that means god dwells within us and you know the kind of god we worship is then revealed by our actions and behaviors and so my prayer for all of us and then for those you know even our audience who will listen to this later that that our heart motive will not be as a mere human that is fear and selfishness driven that our that our heart motive will be one of love and other centered motivation and that's 
where solid food is at. That's where Jesus does his work. That's what he's trying to recreate in us. Absolutely. And I also encourage us all to not be afraid of the term fire. God's presence is a consuming fire. fire. He's in the fire. And it's designed, it is the fire of love and truth, which consumes fear and selfishness. A couple years ago, you shared an article with me about fire. Yeah. I forget who, but I remember you sharing that with me about that the fire is not necessarily a bad thing. Not at all. Oh, it's a horrible thing to those who reject Christ and who don't trust him at all and who are 100% motivated by fear and selfishness because it is the fire that consumes it. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, remember, next week, we're doing chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The title is The Faithful Manager. So I actually think it's going to go right in line with what we were talking about here today. And then also May 7th will be a corporate gathering. So stay tuned for updates and exact details on that. So with that, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, Just we love you. and We just thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to discuss your word and to learn some really cool things about you. Thank you so much for the truth and the reality that you're trying to cleanse our hearts and minds, cleanse our temples to better reflect and fully understand who you are. God, cleanse us of fear and selfishness, cleanse us of the lies we believe about you and distortions that we hold, and may we, Jesus, grow into an ever-deepening understanding of the love of God as revealed in Jesus. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.